0: Working? Can you hear me? Okay, great. Good evening. Uh, before I get started, let's let's bow. Dear Lord, we just we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you for this building, this place to congregate, to come together, and to worship you. It's a blessing to get to worship you and to, to focus on you, especially as we're about to begin a week in a world that can get hectic and we can lose sight of you. I pray that tonight is a great opportunity, to, opportunity for us to refocus. I thank you for David's lesson about how love sends, love sacrifices, and love stays, and I pray that we apply that to our lives. And I pray that as I speak tonight, that you would speak through me and that you would just eliminate any desire for this to be about me, and I pray that it's all about you, Lord, and for your glory. I pray that we're encouraged, and I um, just pray that you're with us tonight, and that you're glorified in all that happens. I pray this in your Son's name. Amen. All right, so I know we live in a time now, like David was talking about, where we watch Netflix and streaming services and things like that, but... Uh, I'm sure many of us can at least remember back to uh, cable television where we had stations to to watch. Some of us may still watch that. Um, I wanted to run through uh, a few different stations and just raise your hand if if it was one of your favorite stations. Uh, I thought it would be a fun way to start. So what about Disney and Nickelodeon? I'll bunch those two together. I love those growing up. Yeah. Drake and Josh, classic. Um, ESPN. For those of you that love sports and politics at the same time, (laughs) that one took a second, okay. (laughs) For those of you shamelessly, Hallmark, okay, all right, Joanna and Chip Gaines lovers, HGTV, okay, all right, a lot of ladies, a couple shameless men, Um, HBO. Okay, this is church. Y'all shouldn't have been raising your hands for that one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, and then uh, last but not least, uh, Nat Geo. Have y'all, y'all like that? Okay, we got a few. Um, it's not my favorite, but, but I like the National Geographic Wildlife Channel. Um, and when I was playing baseball, traveling around, there were certain stations that in hotel cable, like you only get a few stations. And if it comes on, you like just get glued and you watch more episodes than you meant to. Uh, Chopped on the Food Network was one of those shows. I could run through some episodes of Chopped. Um, and then also the Nat Geo Wildlife Channel. And uh, I, I guess I love animals. Didn't know it. Um, but uh, I remember one episode uh, was about Komodo dragons. And I've always loved Komodo dragons ever since I was a little kid. Ever since I went to the zoo as a kid, I, I, that's, they've been my favorite animal. I don't know why. I guess because the word dragon's in the name. Um, and that seemed cool, but... Uh, as, I, as I learned more about Komodo dragons, they're a super, super interesting predator. They're unlike really any other predator that, that I know of. Um, what they'll do is when they stalk their prey, they don't wait to eat the prey immediately. They give one bite into the prey, one bite, and the bite has venom in it. And they will literally follow the prey around for weeks as the, as the venom works its way through the prey and then eventually it dies. So literally, they are following their food around for several weeks before they get to eat, which is just unbelievable um, and totally unrelatable to my life. Because if I'm hungry, you look for Chick-fil-A. It's five minutes away. Um, HEB, Sprouts, what, you know, whatever. It's, it's all right. Walmart, it's all right there. Um, and that's kind of how we all operate. We, have, we live in a time of instant gratification. We get things when we want it right now and waiting is not acceptable. It's not something that we're used to or that we value highly. Patience doesn't seem like a virtue in our society. And it really applies to everything. Um, You think about things like Yelp. Um, You can ask my fiance, I love reviews of stuff. Uh, Before we go anywhere, do anything, I look up the reviews. You don't have to sit around and ask your friends. You can just get on your phone and look up whatever reviews you want right now. If you wanna get somewhere, Um, To a fault, we rely on our maps. We can just punch it in and we can get straight to wherever we're going. My dad growing up, he used to pull out the key map all the time to get from place to place. Um, And if I pulled that out, I wouldn't even know what to do with it. (laughs) Um, Or he just knew how to get there without even looking at it. Uh, You know, we have social media, um, obviously, that connects us in a very instantaneous way. We have access to each other all the time. even dating uh not that it's a bad thing but if we want to to date quickly there's apps that where they can connect us to people immediately which wasn't a which wasn't a thing that we had in the past and all these things are advancements and good things i'm not saying that they're bad i'm just making the point that in our society instantaneous gratification is very highly um highly valued and patience and waiting is not as valued um and so, so, again, how often do we get impatient with, with, with our own lives in other aspects, in more serious aspects, like jobs? If we're in our job and we're waiting for a promotion or we feel like we've been putting everything into it and it's just not coming quick enough, we feel like we're not being noticed. In relationships, like I said, if we can't seem to find a relationship or our relationship's taking longer to develop than we thought it should or um, it's not going the way that we wanted it to go and we can't seem to figure out how to change that. our finances maybe it's taking us a lot longer to build wealth or to scrape above just living paycheck to paycheck and that's a struggle for us Um, or our health a lot of times out of our control like David was talking about that story there's things that happen out of our control and we want things to change we want to get healthy we're trying to do all the right things and we just can't seem to beat whatever we're struggling with so um, tonight as we think about being patient and waiting I want us to turn in our Bibles to First Samuel chapter sixteen. First Samuel chapter sixteen, and we will start in verse eleven. First Samuel sixteen eleven. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. So a little backstory. I'm sure a lot of us are familiar with what's going on here, but this is where David, King David from the Bible, is anointed as the king of Israel. And so before this time, heading into 1 Samuel, we come out of the book of Judges. And Judges was a time when there was no official king of Israel. At that time, if Israel was in trouble, God would send a judge to deliver them, and then they would turn from him, and then he'd send the judge to deliver them time and time again. Well, the Israelites looked around at all the other nations around them, and every other nation had a king. And they came to Samuel, who was, I guess, kind of the primary prophet at that time. And they went to him and told him, we want to look like the other nations. Give us a king so that we may look like them. And God's like, I am your king, but if you want one, I'll give you one, and I'll give you exactly the kind you're looking for. So he gives, he gives them Saul. And <clears throat> Saul is tall, handsome, GQ-looking guy. he's head and shoulders taller than everybody else. And he looks like a king that would be impressive to the other nations. He looks like someone that they're asking for. And he starts off faithfully. He starts off very well. But as the chapters go on, about seven chapters in, he really starts to take a turn for the worse. And he basically turns his back on God. Well, at that time, God says, well, I'm gonna choose a king that has a heart for me, a heart that wants to follow me. And he chooses David. So he sends Samuel to look for this King David, and that's what we find here in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Samuel goes to the house of Jesse, who had, I can't remember how many sons, but David's the youngest. And Samuel's going through all the sons, and he finally gets to this short little runt, and God's like, that's the one. That's my guy. And so he anoints him, and he's told that he's going to become king in Saul's place. Now, scholars believe that at this time, that David was 12 to 15 years old. So can you imagine when you were 12 or 15, being told that you're going to become the king of Israel. That's, uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Josiah was king at eight later on. Um, but David's told he's going to become the king of Israel. Now Saul is still the king. The issue here is that Saul has to not be king for David to become king. And so I, you would assume that Saul would step down and let David step in in his place, but that's not what happens. Uh, Saul finds out that God's anointed David as king and David had been under Saul living in his house and Saul tries to kill him and and chases after David. And so David has to go on the run, living in caves, living in a different country. His best friend dies. His wife is Saul's daughter. He can't trust her. He's not sure who he can trust. He has a band of men that go around with him. But that's really all he has and even that's inconsistent. Truly, all he has in this time is God. No other consistency or stability. And you think, okay, I can do that for a year, maybe two years. Well, David did that for 10 to 15 years. He was on the run and had nowhere to live, nowhere to go, just waiting. God told him that he was going to be the king. And can you imagine if we had to wait 10 or 15 years for that? What would you be thinking? God, yeah, I, this is exactly how I would have drawn it up. Or this is the, I, I definitely see that you're going to come through and, and make me the king. You'd probably start to question it. God, what are you doing? Where are you? I thought you said you were going to do this. What's going on? And um, I'm sure deeply questioning. And we see that in the Psalms. That's why the Psalms are so powerful. We see so many days where David's crying out to God, but he never loses hope. So if you turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 31. Well, actually, we won't read there, but you can look through it yourself. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 31 that's where saul finally dies he dies in battle and so it's finally david's time to be king and then turn a little farther we'll go to second samuel chapter two we'll start in verse four it's finally time for david to be king second samuel 2 4 then the men of judah came and there they anointed david king over the house of judah and they told david saying the men of jabesh gilead were the ones who buried saul So David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh Gilead and said to them, wait, am I reading the right part? I'm sorry. Let's read verse uh, verse seven. Sorry, I got a little ahead of myself. Now, therefore, let your hands be strengthened and be valiant for your master Saul is dead. And also the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. So you see there, David has been anointed as the king of Judah, not Israel. Israel has separated itself. If you read a couple of verses later in verse 8, but Abner the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, took Ishbosheth, which is quite a name, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahanaim and made and he made him king over Gilead, over the Asherites, over Jezreel, over Ephraim, over Benjamin and over all of Israel. So Ishbosheth is Saul's son. He knows that David is supposed to be the next king of Israel, yet he is anointed king and accepts it. So Israel is now divided. David is supposed to be king over a united Israel, but it's divided. And so it's actually not David's time. So what happens is Israel and Judah fight for the next seven and a half years. Seven and a half years of war. So it's been 10 to 15 years plus seven and a half years. And finally, you don't want to hope for this, but Ishbosheth dies in 2 Samuel chapter 4. Ishbosheth dies. Um, and at that time, it truly is David's time to be king. But he's waited at this point over 20 years. He's way, well into his 30s, potentially 40 at this time. And he was told when he was a teenager that he was going to become the next king of Israel. Just imagine, put yourselves in his shoes. Do we, do we wait for things like that today? Do we wait for things? like? Do we trust God to work like that? God never turned his back on David. God never turned his back on David. And so in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, uh, let's read that. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and spoke, saying, Indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. Also in time past, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord said to you, You shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. Therefore, all the elders of of Israel came to the king at Hebron and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord and they anointed David king over Israel. So there you see it. David is king now, Um, which is just incredible. And we see, well, we'll see in a second. But in that time, David was patient with God. He struggled. We see that. Like I said in the Psalms, we see that time and time again. He struggled deeply as I'm sure we would have as well. But, He was patient with God and he let God prepare him for his kingship in that time. And because of that time of preparation, David became the faithful king that he was because he let God use that time to prepare him. As we see in, uh, uh, let's see, 5 verse 4, the next verse, David was 30 years old when he, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, well, there we have the age. He was 30 years old when he began to reign and he reigned 40 years. So he reigned for 40 years. Because he was faithful in that time when it didn't make sense. Because he waited on God. Because he allowed God to prepare him in that time. Not only was he king for 40 years, which was a lot longer than Ishbosheth II, I think. But David was in the line of Jesus. The Messiah came through him because of his faithfulness in that time. He could have easily given up, but he didn't. And he was known as a man after God's own heart. And he was the standard by which every king in Israel after him was measured. Everyone was considered in comparison to David because of his faithfulness. He had his faults, but he was faithful. So tonight, I want us to ask ourselves, what are we going through right now? What are we waiting on God in? It's a question for each of us to ask ourselves. What's an area where we feel like we're waiting on God? It could be health issues. It could be jobs. It could be finances. It could be anxiety. It could be I don't know. I mean, it could be a, norm, a million different things, and we're not we're not sure why God's making us struggle through this, or why isn't He answering us right now. But there's purpose in it, just like with David in his waiting of 20 years. There's purpose in our waiting. God's doing something, because oftentimes our greatest struggles and the times where we have to wait the most become our greatest ministry. If we deal with the sickness and we allow God to prepare us in that time and lean on him more, then we can minister to people who are sick in a way that other people can't. If we lose a loved one and, we're, and we struggle through that, but we lean on God in that time, we can minister to someone who loses, who's gonna lose a loved one because there's gonna be people that do. If we're struggling financially, we can be a minister to people who are struggling financially. And the list goes on, but our greatest struggles and the times where we have to wait the most become our greatest ministries. And there's purpose in it. God's doing something. He's never, ever quitting on us, so we shouldn't quit on him. If you think about several other examples that I'll run through really quickly, Jesus was prepared. It took 30 years for his ministry to start. He was being prepared on earth. Then it was 40 days in the wilderness, and he was tempted by Satan, but he was being prepared for his ministry. It's hard to think that Jesus needed to be prepared, but he allowed himself to be. Moses, He was prepared for 40 years, not once, but twice. Moses killed an Egyptian, ran away to the wilderness, became a shepherd, and then God sends him into Egypt to go deliver his people. But he had to wait 40 years for that, and he didn't know God was coming. Then he takes the people into the wilderness to take them into the promised land. They're unfaithful. Another 40 years before he goes on to his heavenly reward, and they go into the promised land. Joshua, that entire time, waited for those 40 years, under Moses as a servant. And then he becomes the faithful leader of Israel that gets to take them into the promised land. But he allowed that time of preparation to be what prepared him for that. And lastly, Paul, I can't remember where it was. I wanna say it was Antioch, but he stayed about 12 years after he was converted and learned from the Christians and, was, and built his foundation before he went on all his missionary journeys. There was a time of preparation for some of the greatest men in the Bible and women too that we can think of, they allowed that time, they waited on God and they were prepared in that time. So what are we being prepared in? A quote that I had on my wall growing up as a kid that I love and I still think about to this day, I don't know who said it, (laughs) I should, but I don't. It says, that which grows rapidly withers rapidly, that which grows slowly endures. That which grows rapidly withers rapidly, but that which grows slowly endures. That's something I want us to keep in mind. And I'll close this morning, let's go to Isaiah 40, 31. Michael already read it, but I don't think we can read it too many times. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Read that one more time. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. What are we waiting on God to do tonight? We can trust him. He was faithful to David. He'll be faithful to us. I just want, y'all to, I just want all of us to be thinking about that this week. If you have need of anything, uh, we'll ask that you come forward. As we stand and as we sing.